If you give your heart up to the Lord, it's not going to give you a struggle-free life, but it's certainly going to help you determine the path that He has set out for you. That's today on our podcast. Hey folks, it's Karen G. from the Tower Hill Communications team. Thanks for tuning in to our weekly podcast. You can listen here each week to catch up on our latest sermons, and we hope what you hear inspires you to want more so you'll continue on your own personal faith journey. This week, we're on part two of our sermon series called The Heart of War. So let's kick it off to Pastor Jason Tucker right now. Hey, Tower Hill Church Online. I'm Pastor Jason. I'm so glad that you are here worshiping with us today as we're in our second installment of this new sermon series called The Heart of War, How Deeper Surrender Can Lead to a More Complete Victory. And this is all about how do we live the Christian life? How do we do it when when sometimes we feel like we're not doing the Christian life very well? I know sometimes you and I, we get stuck with God or we get stuck Or we feel far away from God. We think, geez, you know, if Jesus makes me new, why don't I feel it? Why do I feel the same? Or why is it that I used to be a lot better at this Christian life thing than I am now? Or where is God in all of this? Have I made God mad? Is, um, you know, have I been living in such a way that, that God has sort of like disowned me a little bit? Or maybe I'm out of God's favor? Or maybe I'm just not good enough to do this thing called being a Christian, and so I don't even know what to do. I think the important thing to remember is that this idea of our closeness or far away or kind of struggle that we have in our faith is normal. Every Christian who ever lived has struggled with the same thing. I mean, look at the Apostle Paul. We talked about this last week. Look at Paul's journey. He has this incredible miraculous even moment where he comes to faith in Jesus Christ, changes his whole life. And we have to think, oh my gosh, like, wow, that I wish I had a story like that. You know, that would be really powerful. But then we also get moments in Paul's life that are recorded in the New Testament where he says things like Romans 7, 15, where he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Maybe you can relate to that. I certainly can. It's like, I I don't get it. I feel I have this relationship with God, but it's not showing up in my life. I seem to can't get out of my own way. I I keep struggling with sin or I keep um, coming back to sin or behavior that I thought was long since conquered. How do I recover? How do I do this different? That's the journey of spiritual formation. We talked last week, we kind of set this whole thing up, that spiritual formation is a process that begins with surrender. And this comes from this really wonderful idea from a book by Pastor Lane Adams. And, you know, book's been out of print for years. He was the pastor, I think he was a Presbyterian pastor of the Hollywood Presbyterian Church. He wrote this little book called, How Come It's Taking So Long for Me to Get Better? And he was trying to answer this question, like, why is it that, you know, I'm a Christian, but why is it that my Christian life is sort of a mess or ineffective or I'm just stuck in sin or I feel like the same old person that I always was? Has Jesus left me? 
And I love his take on this. I think his take is really, really helpful because he talks about, he draws on his experience in World War II in the Pacific Theater as a way of understanding the Christian life. And he says what he discovered when he was thinking through this really changed his life and I'm sure the lives of many others. Because I think baked into this idea of the Christian life is struggle. It's part of it. Struggle with ourselves, not just with our external external circumstances. So in the book, he talks about, you know, when the U.S. and her allies were trying to take back these islands in the Pacific theater, that all they had to do was establish a beachhead. If they could establish a beachhead and the Marines would go in and establish a beachhead, they knew that they had won the island because they had everything they needed to succeed. And they could bring in their troops and their tanks or whatever on a beachhead, no matter how small or big. And in fact, they were so confident in that when the Marines would establish a beachhead, they were radio back. The Marines have landed. We've established a beachhead. The situation is well in hand. In other words, the island's ours. Yes, there's still some fighting to do. There's still some conflict to do. But the island is ours. And so Lane Adams says, what if this is like the Christian life? The beachhead God establishes is instantaneous, right? He, we belong to him. The island is his. The situation is well in hand. But the battle for the rest of the island called you is the long-range process of maturing. In other words, step one is Jesus invades, and he, we talked about again about this last week. Uh, he invades, and he, he gives us a new identity. He tells us who we are in Jesus Christ, and he tells us who we belong to, and it gives us confidence for the road ahead, and it changes things. But listen, if we're being honest, we're still the enemy that's fighting against Jesus in our hearts. We still have this sin problem, and we're pretty well entrenched. We are rooted. We've got some underground tunnels and things, and sometimes we fight back against God. And so what if the Christian life is all about our ability to surrender? If we surrender more ground, we start feeling closer with God. We start aligning with his purposes. We start flourishing. Because sin is being rooted out. And so what if the Christian life isn't as much about, you know, let's go, let's take the mountain as far as let's surrender the mountain to God. And that's in step two, starting the journey, right? Once Jesus has made you new and he's given you this new identity, then it's about, okay, what's the process of surrendering ground look like? It looks like a journey. And once you know who and whose you are, the path on this journey becomes clearer. Maybe it's a little bit like this. Let's say that you have somebody that you just love the most in the world. And they come up to you and, and, and say, hey, we're going to go on a hike. I can't wait to show you this surprise. You're going to love it. You're going to absolutely love it. Okay, so bring a jacket. Uh, bring some comfortable shoes. I can't wait for you to see this. Would you say, you know what? No, I'm, I'm not. I don't know. I think you might be tricking me here. No, of course not. You would follow them. When you love and trust somebody, you'll follow them just about anywhere. Even if on the hike, so to speak, it looks like this was a really bad idea, you trust that they have your best interests in mind, that they really are excited to do something for you. You trust that it's going to be a good thing. Now, I think it's no different in our relationship with God. Sometimes our resistance is, is about like we just don't love and trust God enough. We don't trust that he's got our best interests in mind. And, and I know it's so weird to put it that way, but if you really think about it, that might be the root of the problem is we don't have enough love and trust to follow. But this journey of the Christian faith is all about 
Are you going to follow God? Do you love and trust God enough to know that he's going to lead you to somewhere great? So we give ourselves a pep talk. Maybe this New Year's you had some resolutions. I'm going to set some goals. I'm going to get out the planner. I'm going to get out the sheet of paper. I'm going to stop procrastinating. I'm going to get my strong coffee and I'm going to go for it. And that's all well and good. But that's not always the path of growing closer to God. That's not always what spiritual formation looks like. I, I mean, goals aren't bad, but, you know, the problem is, is that, you know, so let's say we set a goal. Okay, I'm going to read um, 15 chapters of the Bible a week, right? And we read 15 chapters of the Bible in about nine weeks. And, okay, well, I'm no good at this. You see what I'm saying? Goal setting's good. It might give us the spark that we need. But it's not exactly the same thing as spiritual growth, because spiritual growth can happen whether you're reading a, one verse, one verse a year, <laughs> or one verse a day. Spiritual growth can still happen. So it's not always just about goals. Now, of course, you know, I don't want to belittle reading scripture. Reading scripture is going to help you get there, but you know what I'm saying. It's not always about setting goals in order to achieve them. Achievement isn't always the way of spiritual formation. I love how Paul eventually puts it later in the book of Romans. You know, we had that earlier part where he says, you know, I don't understand what I'm doing, what I do, I, you know, I hate. He says this about the Christian life. I think this is a bit more on tar target than simply goal setting. And that's this, Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's such a powerful image, right? A living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now watch this. This is so incredible right here. Is, is the promise. If we don't conform to what this world says, and if we allow God to transform our minds, watch this promise. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I mean, this is the formula right here. Basically, God is saying, or Paul is saying, you know, or God is saying through Paul <laughs> is what I mean to say. He's saying, you can know God's will. You and I, we can know what God wants. That's like the biggest question. Well, what does God want from me? What does God want for me? What's God want? Guess what? You can know it. If you allow him to renew your mind, which I think is a lot of this idea of going on this journey of faith where you're surrendering to God and you're looking for where he wants to take you. And this is usually where we get to the, we get in the point in this conversation and it's kind of like, do you remember that old uh, kids game in the eighties? I certainly do called Simon. Remember this game? It's a music game and you have to hit all the, it, it's like a, well, it's like Simon says, we have to repeat whatever notes are played on the game. And it starts out easy, like the blue makes a sound, you know, and you hit the button, and you just copy what it does. And it ends up getting really, really hard. And then eventually, you get it wrong, and it gives just the most awful, I mean, just the worst buzz you ever heard. It's sort of like, maybe not as bad as Operation. I mean, Operation is probably the leading cause of child heart attacks in the 1980s, but <laughs> but it just this awful buzz. And I, I always think about that buzz when I think about a lot of us and how we approach then the Christian life. I'm like, okay, 
Um, we just have to become living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, and be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And, and I feel like we don't even wait for Simon to do it. We hit the button and we just buzz ourselves out. I can't do that. I was okay if we were going to set some goals, right? I was going to get my coffee. I was going to set three to five actionable smart goals, specific, measurable. Anyway, um, you had me there because I felt like I had some control over that. But this whole living sacrifice thing, I'm just not good at it. I'm too much of a sinner. I'm not a good enough Christian to do it. Listen, stop disqualifying yourself before you get started. This is the biggest lie, right? Being a sinner doesn't disqualify you. It's actually a prerequisite. <laughs> Let me, we are all in need of a savior. That is the entire point. The journey of the Christian life, the journey of surrender, the journey of this path that you're following as you're following Jesus in your life, it's usually a series of small, sometimes imperceptible steps that put you in the position where God wants you to be. So let's talk about, let's get into this. Step two, starting the journey. What does this look like? Well, there are at least four kind of different things this looks like, and there are many, many more, but here are four just to kind of get your, your brain going on this idea. The first is the journey of the Christian faith isn't just active, right? It's not just us achieving goals. It's reactive. It's a dialogue between us and God. There's this great song by the Newsboys. Anybody remember the Newsboys of the 1990s, uh, early 2000s? Great song called It's a Spirit Thing. It's just a spirit thing. It's just a holy nudge. <laughs> it's, it's a great song. And listen, look up that song, Spirit Thing, by uh, Newsboys. It said sometimes it works like a teleprompter. Sometimes it's just a feeling, right? It's hard to explain. It's the Spirit moves you, and it's active and reactive. There's a give and take. There's a dialogue that happens with God on this journey of faith. So it's not just about doing. It's about listening. I feel like it's a little bit like football. Listen, I've got football on the brain. It's playoff time. My team actually made the playoffs, uh, which is, you know, miracles happen every day. And in football, if you ever played football, you know that whatever position you play, you're given an assignment, right? For whatever, for whatever that play is, you have a particular assignment. Now, as, you, as they get ready to blow the whistle and you get ready to play that play, the assignment may change a little bit based on what the other team is doing. You, I have to make adjustments. You call what's called an audible. And you say, well, based on how they're aligned, then we got a quick shift into this alignment in order to succeed because that's the goal. The goal is to execute the vision of the coach. What if this is a little bit like the journey of faith? Is that God gives you this assignment and it's all to do in the trajectory of making disciples of all nations, of being a light into the world and, and the way that's played out in every area of your life. And God's got this assignment for you in this situation. But you have to listen because as things change, as circumstances around you change, as timing changes, you have to adjust. And that comes from this dialogue of this journey. It's active and reactive. And I want to share with you a story because it happens during um, someone's low time of faith. It's, I wouldn't want you to think that it's just about success and you know winning the game you know, with the football analogy. And, you know, doing these steps to have the good strategy to win, it's not, it's not really that either all the time. Sometimes it looks like pain. Sometimes it looks like depression. Sometimes it looks like listening to God 
when he got nothing left in the tank. That's why I love this story of Elijah from 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah had just had this incredible moment with God where it was the big showdown between uh, the false prophets and him, and and he wins. So, you know, the God of, of the Jewish people wins in convincing and miraculous fashion. And then he finds himself on the run because um, the queen is after his life. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I mean, my goodness, talk about being low, being depressed, being defeated. He says, I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Now watch this. This is so cool. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. I love that because it's not like, you know, get up and come up with five ways that you could follow God better. <laughs> no. Or five reasons why you shouldn't be depressed. No. Get up and eat. It's like God's taking care of his most simple physical needs before he gets to the spiritual needs. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Um, Horeb is also known as Mount Sinai. So here he goes. God's taking care of his needs, his simplest needs. He gets him to the place where he wants him to be because Elijah's listening. He was willing to listen. Even though he wanted his own life to end, he decides to listen to God and to keep following. And he's led up Mount Sinai. And what's he expecting there? Oh, my gosh. He's expecting some kind of massive, you know, appearance of God. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And I'm sure Elijah's thinking, you know, like Moses and the Ten Commandments and in fire and, and all these things. And it says, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. What's that all about? Listen, sometimes in this journey, we're going to be depressed and we're going to be hurt and we're going to suffer and we're not going to know what to do. And all God says is just... Just keep listening to me. It's active and reactive. Listen to me. Follow me. Have enough love and trust in me that I'm going to take you where you need to go. And I'm going to show up in ways you're not always expecting. You thought I was in the wind or the fire or the earthquake. Sometimes I am in the still smallest, the smallness of the silence around you. Sometimes I am like a whisper. I'm not always going to show up like you expect, but I promise you this. If you listen to my voice, if you follow me, I will show up. The journey of the Christian faith 
the process of surrendering ground to God is a process that is active and reactive. It's about listening as much as it's about, about doing, maybe even more than it is about doing. All right, second piece about this journey that's important to remember is that often what God tells us as we're trying to follow and listen is about blooming where you're planted. What do I mean? It means wherever you find yourself in your situation, trust that God has you there for a reason. And just be, you know, if you're working in construction, if you're a lawyer, if you're a pastor, if you're a doctor, uh, if, if you stay at home, if you work from home, I mean, like whatever your circumstance, don't worry so much about getting out of this life that you have right now. And we'll get to that in a second. Worry about being the best version that God has for you in the midst of that life. Bloom where you're planted. Maybe God has you planted there specifically for a reason. And we always think of the story of Esther. Uh, Esther um, was in this incredible position of power at a real critical time when the Jewish people were about to get slaughtered. And her relative Mordecai is calling her out on that. Say, look, you've got this power now. You're in this place that you didn't expect to be. And maybe it's because God wants you there to do something. Mordecai sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Bloom where you're planted. See, sometimes when we're not happy or we're struggling, we start thinking, well, I just need to get up and I need to change careers. I need to change relationships. I need to change the direction or course of my life. And sometimes that's the case, which is our next thing. But oftentimes it's, what if I just stop worrying about that so much and start thinking about how can I be the more flourishing God version of me in the track of the, that my life is now and see what happens? Maybe I've been put in this position for such a time as this. So sometimes yielding ground to God on the island is about blooming where you're planted. And then sometimes it's also about re being replanted somewhere else. Sometimes you bloom where you're planted and it becomes clear. Again, God's going to lead you. It becomes clear that God wants you to get planted in other soil. And again, this is back to Paul's story. This is what we saw in his life, right? As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. In other words, I'm going to replant you. I'm going to change the course of your life. And you don't know exactly what that destination is going to look like. By the way, this is true of all of us, because it's not the Christian life isn't necessarily about the destination. It's about the journey. You're going to be told what to do when you need to know what to do, and I'm going to replant you. So sometimes it's about blooming where you're planted, and other times it's about getting replanted somewhere else. But this is the most important thing. It's always about flourishing. You flourishing, being the person God called you to be, the most flourishing, spirit-filled version of you, and it's about the flourishing of the people around you the people who are getting the, the fruit of your blooming. 
It's always about flourishing. This is what God's about. God is about life. And if you ever get stuck, you're like, I don't know which way to go. Am I supposed to bloom where I'm planted? Am I supposed to? Sometimes it's not always clear. But I just have this very easy test for myself that says, where's the life? Our God's a God of life. Where am I finding life in front of me? I'll bet if I follow that, that's a start. That's a start. And remember, God's promises is, is simply to give us life like no other. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I think when it comes to following God, when you love and trust, you'll surrender and follow God anywhere. Listen, God's has a perfect batting average in my life. Not to mix metaphors of this <laughs> message, but God's got a perfect batting average. In other words, I've never listened to God and regretted where I ended up. Never. Not once. God's version of me has always been light years ahead of my version of me. In fact, God says I'm somebody who I don't always feel like I can be. But because he says it, I know it's true and I can start living into that more and more. When you love and trust, you're going to be able to surrender and follow God more. So I want you to ask yourself this week, where are you stuck in this journey? Or maybe what are the obstacles that keep getting in the way? What are the obstacles that are right that stop you from surrendering ground to God? Is it fear? Oftentimes it is. You're afraid that, well, if I really do love and trust God and I really follow, and I can't determine, predetermine the destination, that's too much risk for me. I'm nervous about where God's going to call me. What if he makes me or turns me into something that I don't want to be? Which, by the way, God doesn't do that. God loves you. God created you to be you. He, he doesn't want to replace you with, a, with someone else. He wants to make you new again. He wants to make you be the version of you he had in mind when he created you, the flourishing, spirit-filled version. I think, you know, sometimes we forget the Christian life isn't just about the hereafter. It's about the here and now. So what are the obstacles? If it's fear, maybe that's something you want to pray about this week. Or maybe it's something else. Whatever it looks like for you, listen, just opening that dialogue with God in prayer is part of the active-reactive journey of following. And listen, when we start to figure this out, we start to really discover that deeper surrender leads to more complete victory. We find that we can follow. We find that it does renew our minds and transform our hearts. We find that we can discover what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen. Amen.